Hello and welcome to another episode of Right Care Baptist. I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. And I'm Amanda Comer. I'm a nurse practitioner and the system director for advanced practice providers. And today we're very excited to have Dr. Omer on to talk to us about monkeypox. Uh, Dr. Omer, welcome to the program. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and what you do? Thanks so much for having me on. I, I really appreciate it, Jake. Amanda. Um, yeah, I'm an infectious diseases doctor here in Memphis. Um, yes, there are other doctors here that do infectious diseases besides Dr. Threlkeld. <laughs> um, and he is my partner, um, uh, along with Mike Threlkeld. Um, and we do uh, general infectious diseases. We take care of transplant patients here at the Baptist Hospital. Um, and we go to several hospitals here in town. And uh, lately, uh, because of uh, uh, obviously, because of COVID, uh, we've been called on upon a lot to talk about different infectious diseases. And I think the global community has been sort of tuned in to pandemics and epidemics. And so that has brought this issue, you know, to the forefront. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I myself have not done as much reading about monkeypox as I probably should, mainly because I, I think like many others in the medical community, we're, we're getting tired of pandemics and we want uh, everything to go back to the way it was. But, uh, you know, I don't, you know, monkeypox is certainly, you know, cases are spreading more and more regularly around the country. And so I do think it's time for those of us that haven't learned much about it to do so. Um, so let's just start there. Can you tell us, uh, first of all, let's just start with very basic information. What is monkeypox? What are we sure. dealing with? Sure. This is one of the fun parts of infectious diseases. There's always something new. It's also one of the worrisome things for us that there's always something new on the horizon. So monkeypox, uh, um, as the name suggests, is, uh, you know, similar to smallpox. Um, and it's a less severe disease. It's caused by a virus that's um, somewhat related to the smallpox virus. We've known about it for some time. Uh, there were cases of it in uh, first reported in 1958 in Denmark, and it occurred amongst uh, a colony of monkeys that were being used for research. And that's how it got its name is because the disease was noticed in monkeys and it causes a, a skin rash that is similar to smallpox. And that's how we've known about it. It's existed in uh, Western and Central Africa for a while. And it's usually transmitted by animals, chiefly rodents. And uh, primarily, it's not been something that's gotten much attention in the West or certainly in the United States until we had some outbreaks. And we had an outbreak in the you know early part of, of the uh, 21st century. We had an uh, outbreak related to rodents. And, you know, several people got a mild illness associated with uh, a rash. Uh, what's unique now is that this virus has affected many more people than we have seen previously, and certainly more people outside of Africa. And so there are a number of countries that have never reported or recorded a case of monkeypox that now have it. Um, the interesting thing about this virus is that you only can acquire it through direct contact generally. Um, and it's not very contagious. And until you're symptomatic, you, you can't spread it. 
So the symptoms we can talk about in a minute, but generally the biggest thing and the thing it's named for is the, the rash. So you mentioned the current outbreak. So what is the state? What is our current state of the outbreak? Well, so uh, it's an, somewhat of an exponential growth. The World Health Organization met and uh, decided not to designate this as a, you know, uh, an outbreak of, of international concern yet. But a lot of people think maybe they should have and perhaps soon they will. Um, there are a great number of cases around the world. Um, the, the currently, I think as of the last day or two, uh, there were 15, over 15,000 cases of monkeypox in the world. Um, and that's remarkable. Um, in, in the United States, we've had about 2,000 cases already. And Tennessee has had um, so far 10 reported cases. Many people will have very mild illness and they may not come to attention. They may not get reported. It's not something that's easy to test for. And so there may be, you know, doctors seeing cases somewhere or emergency rooms where people have symptoms and, and you know, they have not necessarily recognized it. Uh, as Jake said earlier, it, it is not something that, the you know, most people know much about because it's not an illness that anybody has experience with. So let's talk about that, um, you know, the clinical features of, of monkeypox. I was you know, in preparation for this. I was looking on the CDC website and it said you could recognize monkeypox because of its similarity to the clinical course of smallpox. And I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> How many of us have seen a case of smallpox? So take us through what the clinical course would look like. What should, what should we as physicians be looking for when we see a patient maybe with a new rash? So, um, yeah, that's that's a great question. I, I think it, it is difficult if you uh, have not seen, you know, a uh, similar kind of thing. But there are other illnesses that are like this. One thing to um, to note is that even though it sounds like chickenpox, it's not related to chickenpox. Um, but these viruses, um, many viral illnesses have a lot of similar features as the body um, responds to the infection. Uh, there are a number of uh, symptoms that are common amongst different viruses. And one is fever, another is headache, muscle aches. The thing that distinguishes monkeypox in some ways from many other um, pox viruses is that uh, swollen lymph nodes are prominent um, in, in monkeypox. Uh, but it is a flu-like illness when it first begins. Um, and then it develops this characteristic rash and the rash, uh, you know, are sort of bumps that have sort of this central indentation um, and they can be small, um, almost like a pimple or a whitehead. Um, and, and then some can be even larger than that and look more like blisters. Generally, the people that have fever, most of the time they record low grade fever you know, less than 101, but fever and rash occur in nearly everybody with monkeypox. So, um, you know, those are the things to look out for. Um, the, unlike, and I think I mentioned this, but unlike, um, you know, other viruses, unlike COVID notably, people do not transmit this illness um, 
through a respiratory route, um, and they do not transmit it uh, before they develop symptoms themselves. So, and typically the rash is the biggest symptom that indicates that it will be contagious to someone else. Yeah, that was the one question I had was transmission. Um, so if the patient is having just the fever and that flu-like illness, can they transmit or is it only when they have the rash that they can transmit? Do we know? Well, preliminarily, the CDC and the World Health Organization have, um, you know, issued some guidance for people as to how they should um, isolate or um, uh, act if they develop symptoms. So, you know, if you've traveled somewhere or you've been in contact with somebody with monkeypox um, or a rash that looks like monkeypox and you get chills and lymph node swelling, then they say you should self-isolate for 24 hours and monitor your temperature. And then if you develop a rash, uh, then, you know, you contact the appropriate authorities and, and be tested. And that is the best way to test for monkeypox right now is um, a PCR test. Um, I can remember when I used to have to explain what PCR is, but don't have to do that anymore in the, in the era of COVID. Um, and so a PCR test of the skin rash, so a swab of the skin rash or material from a blister or a, a pustule from the, the monkeypox can um, reveal um, the illness. So that's the best way to test for it right now. And that's not readily available. Um, just as uh, tests for COVID were not available when we first um, had them. Yeah, I think I just saw from AEL, our, our lab company, that they're just now offering the, the lab test. So hopefully we'll start being able to offer it um, more easily. Right. Are there individuals that are at higher risk for developing monkeypox? So, you know, the traditional monkeypox was usually people that had been in contact with, you know, animals or had traveled to places in Africa. And, uh, you know, that no longer is the case. The other unusual thing about um, this outbreak is that it has been predominantly in um, men who have sex with men. It has been a sexually transmitted disease, um, but w there's nothing we know about it that you know, sort of makes it specific to that population. And so contact is the way that it is acquired. But so far, the vast majority of those 15,000 cases have been in men and has been sexually transmitted. And, it, and is it right that the rash is located in, you know, the genital region as well uh, for these cases? And is that the, typically the case for monkeypox overall? So um, it's certainly not the typical case for monkeypox. Um, you know, previously we would see this illness occur in children, for instance, that had been handling um, rodents. And so you would see it on the hands or you would see it, you know, on the arms or different places. And monkeypox can occur anywhere on the body and it can disseminate. And so even the cases that we have, you know, seen in the United States, one of the first cases that was described in the New England Journal was a patient who had a rash that was all over his body, you know, on his hands, on his shoulders, legs, but he also had internal lesions and it was, you know, very painful um, to have, you know, genital and rectal lesions. Um, and so, and like I said, sometimes these look very much like, you know, a boil or a, a, a pimple 
but mm. they can be intensely painful. So you mentioned the number of cases in Tennessee. What about our other service areas, Mississippi or Arkansas? Yeah, so I think uh, a lot of these uh, places are now uh, starting to see cases. And so um, Arkansas, so far, um, as far as I know, they've had one case. So, um, you know, either we haven't identified cases there or um, they, um, you know, um, are yet to be identified. Uh, I'm not aware of any cases in Mississippi so far. And then, you know, so we talked about the clinical course a little bit of the disease. Um, you know, if we have a patient that got monkeypox, you know, how severe can the disease be? Or is this have a high mortality rate? Um, or do they, are they going to need to be hospitalized? What, what's the typical course? Right. So traditionally, um, monkeypox is a um, less severe illness. So just to put it in perspective, I mean, smallpox is one of the, you know, sort of greatest uh, sort of pandemic illnesses of history. And it probably changed the course of, you know, uh, world history. It may have been in part responsible for the, um, you know, end of the Roman Empire. And it certainly devastated uh, populations in, in, in South America with the Aztecs and the Mayans. But monkeypox has always been a very mild illness. Um, and the mortality rate is, tends to be low, except in people who are immunocompromised or in very young children and in infants. It can, it can have, you know, sort of fatal consequences. But um, so 1% or less might be the um, mortality of monkeypox. With the current outbreak, there have been some fatalities described generally in the population groups that I mentioned, immunocompromised patients. We, we have not seen this as a uh, outbreak in children so far. Along those lines, you know, and you mentioned how it's not similar to chickenpox, but I know, you know, pregnant patients in chickenpox, we try to keep it away due to, you know, the um, fatal effects on the, the neonate. Does this have any sort of same um, precautions with patients that are pregnant? Do we know? Yeah, I, I think that last part of that question is we don't know. Um, <clears throat> there um, does not appear to be in utero transmission of the virus, but certainly um, uh, during delivery, uh, we feel that there's a risk to um, an infant um, born to a mother who has um, monkeypox. But the information regarding uh, pregnancy and the risk to um, babies, that is not, not well worked out yet. Um, I should say that I, I mentioned that, you know, contact is the, the primary way that this is transmitted. Um, it, it, there may be ways to transmit this um, other than contact, um, but it's very, it's very inefficient. So the previous um, recommendations were that if you were in contact uh, with somebody, that was a risk. But if you were just in the same room with them, you'd have to be in the same room with them for eight hours or more to, to be at risk of acquiring this infection other than through direct contact. So for instance, if you sat next to somebody on an airplane and flew from New York to California, you would not be at risk. So this isn't, you know, like when we've seen people 
treat patients with smallpox, they're in the, the real big hazmat suits. But if you have a patient with known monkeypox or suspected monkeypox in your clinic or in the ED, what sort of precautions do you need to take? What sort of things do you need to wear? Right. So, uh, again, these these um, sort of for hospitals, um, you know, this is an important thing, you know, talking about um, prevention and control of an illness in a hospital sometimes is different than what you think about um, in, the, in the, you know, the in the public and uh, elsewhere, just because we have immunocompromised patients in the hospital, et cetera, and we have healthcare personnel going from room to room. So the current guidance is that you wear gown and gloves and eye protection. Um, the CDC right now is recommending that people use N95 masks in the room, but I think that that is not borne out based on the transmission of it, but it may be that, that they're trying to cover the you know, possibility of, of really immunocompromised patients who are sick and in the hospital. Um, so generally it's, it's contact, but in hospitals, we, we tend to take more precautions. Um, you did ask a moment ago about, um, you know, what we would expect the um, sort of about the transmission. And one other thing to, to, that's very notable about this virus is that the rash can persist and people can be contagious for up to three weeks. Mm. So that's that's unusual. Yeah. Wow. So is there treatment for monkeypox? So there's no good treatment for monkeypox. Um, there are um, a couple of drugs and, you know, we're trying to work this out. Um, uh, there is a, a drug called Sidofavir. There's another drug that's not readily available here called Brinsidofavir. But the, the treatments are not ready, readily available. And um, so far, we don't know about terribly effective um, treatments for this uh, particular virus. What about prevention? Uh, you know, we've heard about vaccination for this. Um, what vaccine are they using and who is it recommended to be vaccinated? Yeah. So um, there are two different vaccines. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting that these are we have these because of smallpox. Um, so the, the, the first vaccine is um, our old smallpox vaccine. Um, this is sort of the second generation of the smallpox vaccine. The original vaccine was sort of developed in, the, you know, I think around 1930 or 1931. And it contains another virus called vaccinia. And so smallpox is variola and, and vaccinia is another virus. And it's a live virus vaccine. Um, the government stockpiled 200 million doses of this in the event that there was bioterrorism associated with smallpox. Um, smallpox is no longer exists in the world. Um, it was eliminated. And uh, in 1980, um, it was declared that there was no more smallpox in the world. So a great success story for, for vaccination. And uh, this particular vaccine, which is called ACAM 2000, ACAM 2000 um, is the that vaccine, but because it's a live virus, um, you have to be careful about who you give it to. Um, in people that have certain immunocompromising conditions, in people that have terrible skin conditions, it can be a problem. 
it's a not many people around remember the smallpox vaccine, but it, it's it's administered with a different kind of two pronged needle. Um, it's not like the shot that you're used to getting, like a flu shot, et cetera, or, or other typical vaccines. And so it creates basically a wound that has a scab on it. And um, it can be contagious during that period of time. Um, but it, although it's effective, because of those reasons, it's not favored. There's a newer vaccine um, uh, called the Genios vaccine, J-Y-N-N-E-O-S, um, and it's available for adults uh, over age 18. Um, it is an attenuated virus, and so it, it can't be transmitted. It's not a live virus. And it's safe and effective, and it has a better, um, you know, sort of sa uh, safety profile in terms of, you know, you can give it to people who um, are uh, immunocompromised. You don't have to worry about, for instance, people with eczema. Um, the strategy uh, is difficult because this later vaccine, which is better based on its um, sort of side effect profile, is not readily available. There are not, you know, a lot of uh, doses. They're rapidly trying to ramp up the doses. And uh, the strategy for vaccination is, you know, not a, a mass vaccination campaign, but rather um, sort of identifying um, a person who's affected with monkeypox and then sort of moving out in a ring with, you know, sort of direct exposures and indirect exposures mm -hmm. to that person. That is the strategy that was employed, for instance, with recent Ebola outbreaks and was found to be um, very effective. Okay, so you wouldn't expect, you know, all healthcare personnel, for instance, to be vaccinated for monkeypox. Is that, that's not something that you've heard talked about? That's certainly not something that's being talked about right now. Having said that, uh, you know, back, uh, um, you know, about 20 years ago when we were talking about bioterrorism risks, um, there were recommendations for healthcare providers to get smallpox vaccination at that time. So if we start seeing lots of cases of, of monkeypox, then that may become a, a recommendation. Hmm. Well, just kind of last things before we close the podcast, uh, where do you see this heading? You know, I've heard a lot of people say that we've kind of passed the point of containment. What and and uh, with the caveat that we've been very great at predicting um, uh, pandemic trajectories over the last couple of years. Uh, what can you tell us about where we're heading with this one? Um, yeah, it makes me nervous. Um, if you look at the um, you know epidemic curve of monkeypox, I mean, you know, I think Jake, when you talked to me about maybe doing this podcast. Um, there were like 2,000 cases, <laughs> you know, and so now we're at 15. Um, so the growth is exponential right now. Um, fortunately, the, it appears at least right now that it's mostly sexual transmission. And so education, vaccination, hopefully is going to impact things. And uh, unlike COVID, for instance, or respiratory viruses, people that are pre-symptomatic and people that are symptomatic are easy to identify, and they're the ones that can, you know, sort of transmit this. Um, so that that will be helpful. So I think um, no experts expect that this is going to be a pandemic on the scale of, of COVID, certainly. But I think that all of us are going to see cases, likely, um, given how widely it's spread now. And because, 
you know, the people that are afflicted may not necessarily know what they have. There are certainly mild cases of this. Um, some people are ill enough that they have to be in the hospital. A lot of that is, you know, to control the pain and discomfort associated with this. But people sometimes can have high fevers and sometimes they can have distinctly painful sort of lesions, you know, particularly if they're genital. Yeah, so along those lines, you expect that the, the providers that are going to see the most cases will probably be ED and primary care doctors? I think so. I mean, I, I think that's true of most, <laughs> you know, sort of uh, infectious diseases. Um, you know, we hear about it afterwards when they get sick and go to the hospital. So it's, it's primary care providers, it's emergency departments, it's urgent care clinics. That's where this is going to be seen. And I would suspect that people are going to um, come to care because of, you know, painful lesions. They're going to mm -hmm. need symptom relief because of that. And so it's going to be important to recognize um, the virus. And, and at this point, you know, travel, um, just as we saw with COVID, you know, there was a time where we had to, you know, ask people about where they traveled and, and then it became, well, travel to the U.S. was the highest risk. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. I know I really learned a lot um, and it's certainly going to it's a very important topic and one that seems to be only more important in the you know, going forward in the future. Um, so thanks for everybody for listening to Right Care Baptist. Remember, if you follow the link in the show notes, you can redeem this episode for CME credit. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I learned so much. Thank you.